It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're going to take some more of your questions today because, frankly, I don't have much to say about the Bengals game this weekend, but we'll talk about that a little bit, too. We will talk about the actual football. We did it on the crossover Wednesday, too, so if you're really aching to hear football analysis about this matchup, for some reason, go listen to... The crossover Wednesday episode, Joe and Brad did a nice job on Wednesday. So we're going to talk about this matchup for the first segment of the show, maybe a little bit of the second segment, then we're going to get into some of your questions. The Bengals are in London, but AJ Green and Cordy Glenn will miss their eighth consecutive week as both players have been ruled out by Coach Zach Taylor. Cordy Glenn was a full participant in practice yesterday before going limited today being Wednesday but he is already ruled out for this Sunday's game. They will both have the bye week to get ready and come back and play in week 10 if they're both still on the team. There's a big possibility here that Cordy Glenn, who actually talked to the media today, has some in-depth quotes over at Bengals.com with Jeff Hobson, doesn't really talk about his injury, but does give a little bit more than he gave, it seems, the rest of the media. He might be traded. Yeah, with the trade deadline looming and Cordy Glenn not playing, it is maybe a sign that they are just holding him back until uh, they can find an offer that they want from another team with Andre Smith getting healthy and expected to be able to play this week and John Jerry being okay the last couple of weeks at left tackle, all things considered. Uh, maybe they don't need Glenn or at least don't need the distraction for this team. I would imagine that Glenn is traveling with the team to London still, but we haven't heard either way on that one. Some other injury notes just to update you on quickly here. Darquez Denard not expected to play, but William Jackson, full participant in two straight practices, a week after he separated his shoulder, they had to put it back in on the sideline. He came back and finished that game, then missed a week. So that's a quick recovery time for him, unlike A.J. Green, who was said to be a fast healer and has now missed 12 weeks with uh, that high ankle sprain. So no A.J. Green this week. Also, Carlos Dunlap expected back this week, but not Carl Lawson, and that's why Anthony Zettel is on the team. Yeah, interesting with uh, Lawson and Darquez Denard because when they needed both those guys to start a couple weeks ago for Lawson, last week for Denard, they came in, played after missing time with their injuries. Uh, they played you know, the most snaps they really have seen in a long time, each one of them, and then 
the following week now it looks like they're not able to go now going on consecutive weeks for Lawson again Lawson another one that that doesn't seem to be able to stay healthy on this team a guy that seems to be a difference maker when he is healthy just can't do it and uh, it'd be nice if the Bengals can get Carlos Dunlap back uh, it'd also be nice if Derek Wesnard was able to pull through somehow here because again Tony McRae was the guy that was targeted by the Jaguars offense last week and if Denard was able to play that would give them William Jackson, Denard, and VW Webb. But without him, Tony McRae will probably be inserted again. And that's something I expect the Rams to target and try to exploit. And McRae might get a heavy dose of Cooper Cup in the slot. And that is not an easy matchup. Cup has got athleticism for days. Looking really quickly at the Rams' injury situation, they're missing only two notable players, essentially. Aqib Tlaib on the IR. Josh Johnson on the IR, so I guess three, because the Rams are not expecting Clay Matthews to play this week as he is dealing with a jaw injury. I'm assuming he has a broken jaw. I actually haven't looked into it. Of course, instead of Tlaib and Josh Johnson, they've got Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, and that'll be in matchup that's worth watching is uh, where will they put Ramsey the last couple of weeks, it's been Tyler Boyd as the number one guy, but really he's been outperformed by Auden Tate and Alex Erickson for the Bengals. And there were a lot of times last week where the Jaguars doubled Auden Tate and elected to just put A.J. Bouye on Tyler Boyd in the slot and really shut him down effectively. Uh, I wonder if they'll do the same with Ramsey. Put Ramsey on Boyd, double Auden Tate, and if you get beat by Erickson, then so be it. Starting on the other side from Ramsey, at least according to our lads, is a former Cincinnati Bengal college-free agent from 2015 who spent most of that year on the practice squad until he was activated for the last three weeks of the season. Troy Hill, the cornerback from Oregon, starting now four years later for the LA Rams. You know, PFF was really high on him that draft year, so I bet they're... uh celebrating the fact that he is a starting corner in the NFL now. He has been around the block. So what are we expecting in this game, Joe? Give me your 30-second prediction. Well, I don't know if it's a prediction, but the biggest thing I'm looking for is how each offense defends each other. If there's supposed to be a Rams-style offense in Cincinnati and the Rams are struggling on offense right now in their own right out in L.A., how are each defense going to say, okay, this is how you stop a Ram-style offense? Do they do the same things? Do they do something different? Do they do what other teams have done to them? And I think whatever defense can effectively do that should come away with the win. The big difference, of course, Jalen Ramsey, the best defender probably on either team to go along with Aaron Donald, two of the best defensive players in the league. They both play for one team in this contest. Also in the secondary, looks pretty good for the Rams with Eric Weddle back there. And at linebacker, Corey Littleton is by far the best linebacker on the field in this game. So that could be and should be, I think we all expect the Rams to win this game. They have a better offense, better defense. Pretty cut and dry would would be an upset for the Bengals, and we'll see if they can pull it off. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We received so many questions 
for the mailbag yesterday that we're going to continue and answer some of the ones we didn't get to because there were there were a lot and they varied in a lot of ways, uh, mostly looking at offseason and, and fun things like that. But this is from our first question here is from GM Mike Brown, which is a parody account, but one that likes to engage in hypotheticals like this. And he says, say the Bengals, by the grace of God, don't end up with a top three pick and the three quarterbacks go in the first three picks. He's saying Herbert, Tua, and Burrow. In this case, would you target Chase Young, Isaiah Simmons, trade back, acquire more picks, take a chance on guys like Easton Love? Basically, I think what GM Mike Brown here is asking, and it's early, it's really early to get into specifics like that because there's going to be other players that we're going to talk about um, in, in the top five, I think. But uh, he's basically saying take the top three guys off the board. Do we like any of the next-tier quarterbacks, or would you say Chase Young is far and away better than them? Because I think – how we answered yesterday was we're going to take any of those top three quarterbacks as of today over Chase Young. So now the the conversation or goalposts have been moved a little bit to, okay, is it Chase Young or the next guys like Eason and Luff? What do you think, Jake? I think it's too early to commit to Chase Young over Eason and Love. I, I think that there's just too much season left. And, and you have to, I think, also include Fromm in this conversation despite sure. the bad game he had against Mississippi State. I don't think I'm considering Isaiah Simmons there, although maybe I should be. I haven't given linebacker much thought right now just because if you're picking fourth and Chase Young is on the board, you're not taking a linebacker over Chase Young. No, no. The only player you're thinking about taking over Chase Young is is a quarterback. And I also think Okuda from the the corner from Ohio State is probably going to go top ten also. And if he runs like a like a Ward does, then he's probably going to go in top five and would be in the discussion. But you're right, it's Young and then everybody else. I was going to get there and mention that there are some other guys that you consider. I was going to say the wide receiver class is very strong and Okuda. Oh yeah, the, the, Judy. Yeah, Jerry Judy or or CD Lamb, whichever wide receiver is the flavor of the month. I mean, that's going to change by the time the draft comes around too. But yeah, I think Akuda is going to be picked before Isaiah Simmons. Although, you know, teams might see Isaiah Simmons the same way they see Derwin James, and that's just a guy you can put anywhere on the field, and he's going to go out there, be an athlete, and make plays. And I would love Isaiah Simmons for the Bengals, but that and isn't Devin somebody White, I'm picking at, at, at four. Devin White went fifth last year, right? Mm-hmm. Top linebacker, and that's high for an off-the-ball linebacker. I'm, and I'm still surprised. That right. I mean, we knew that that was happening before the draft because we knew Tampa was in love with him. But I'm still surprised that a linebacker goes there with you know defensive tackles on the board. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons came back for the Titans this week and he was amazing, dominant, absolutely balling out. And and I mean, he was on, he wasn't healthy, but you got guys like him and Ed Oliver and and so on and so forth that could go before a linebacker and. I I just don't see unless 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 people see Isaiah Simmons like Derwin James, I sure. don't see that happening in the in the top four. You got to go and, Chase Young before Isaiah Simmons for sure. And and I think you may the, I can't remember the name now of the linebacker or the uh, safety from LSU. Um, oh yeah, Delpit. Yeah yeah Delpit yes. Like I think if there's a Derwin James or a guy that you see as a hybrid weapon type defender, he may end up being it you know, if he runs fast and could get in the top 10. So, yeah, it's early. It's early. But we'll, hypothetical, give me Chase Young, and this is a two-year oh, yeah. rebuild. You're, you're thrilled with Chase Young if all those quarterbacks are gone. Right. right? Like, and Chase Young is most likely the best player in this draft. Slam so dunk. You're, you're thrilled. I'm not trading back if Chase Young is on the board. However, if the Bengals are oh, picking no. fifth, 
and Chase Young is gone and the quarterbacks are gone. Well, now now we talk. I'm probably looking to trade back into the early teens and and pick up some picks. And then I'm looking to trade back probably multiple times and just yeah. trying to stack as many picks as I can this year next year. Because then you're right, you're you're treating it as a well now I, now this is a two-year process. Yeah. But before all that, if I'm picking fourth, I'm trying to trade up. Okay. I see. Right. Especially if you love a quarterback and you think they can go top three. I guess that's a that's a fair thing to bring up there. Because if you love a guy, and I'm saying if you love him, you go you get him. Well, and if it's Tua and Burrow, I think at this point, those guys are both good enough for me to want to trade up from four to two to, to right. c- c- guarantee myself one of them. And NFL teams don't think that way. They're only trading up for one guy. Anyway, mm-hmm. our next question comes from Nicholas Brammel. Would you rather have, and you can only pick one, a Hall of Fame coach, a, fall, a Hall of Fame quarterback, or a Hall of Fame general manager? I'm struggling to think of who our Hall of Fame general managers are. Is like it Ozzie Newsome is speculated okay. to be a surefire Hall of Famer. Yeah. Who's uh, the other guy that um, went worked for the Panthers? Bill Polian? Did he make it to the Hall of Fame? I think he did. Uh, and he was there for the Bills, the Panthers, and then the Colts. So, uh, yeah, I guess those are winning teams. I, it's, I, off the cuff, I wanted to say GM because I think that means you would consistently have good teams and good drafts and good decisions for the most part. But then I would say, well, you're not going to make the Hall of Fame at coach or quarterback unless you've won a Super Bowl and maybe even multiple. So isn't that the goal? And doesn't that kind of guarantee it more than a GM does? And so I'd say, okay, give me either one of those. I think more fun would be Hall of Fame quarterback. Hall of Fame quarterback is definitely going to be the most fun for the time that you have that quarterback because that means you're thinking, I have a chance to win the Super Bowl every year. Every year yeah. you have a Drew Brees, a Peyton Manning, a Tom Brady, an Aaron Rodgers, a Russell Wilson, a Patrick Mahomes. For 10 years thinking, at least. I can win the Super Bowl this year. If you have Bill Polian, you know, maybe you feel good about that for a while. I mean, looking at some of the other guys that are in the Hall of Fame that have been general managers, Paul Brown's one, of course. Pete Rizel is one, of course, went on to be the commissioner of the NFL. Ron Wolf, who was a GM for Tampa from 76 to 78, and then Green Bay from 91 to 2001. They, mm-hmm. You know, he had Brett Favre in those years. He's in the Hall of Fame. Looking at some of these other guys, uh, I mean, not terribly exciting. Not guys that have a lot of Super Bowl success necessarily. Like Jerry Jones is in the Hall of Fame. I guess he was pretty good. He won some Super Bowls with Troy sure. Aikman and Emmitt Smith. Earl Lambeau, Vince Lombardi, but these guys were also coaches. Coaches or owners, right. A lot of the general managers that are in the Hall of Fame were also coaches. So give me the Hall of Fame quarterback. Give me 10 years of fun. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, we're moving on to Daniel Whitaker. Have you noticed Joe Mixon checking out lately? I swear watching him in the past few weeks, he is purposely whiffing on blocks and getting Andy lit up. Like he's trying to play his way out of town. Just curious on your take. I think Joe Mixon has always been a bit of a disinterested pass blocker. I don't think that this is necessarily because he's checked out, although if he has checked out, and there's certainly some evidence to that. Paul Daner wrote about it over at The Athletic, talked about the fact that before the game ended, Joe Mixon was taken off his jersey, taken off his pads, and as soon Mm. as the last snap of the game was snapped, he was walking into the locker room. So there's certainly some evidence that Joe Mixon's checked out, and that means he's probably not incentivized to go put his body on the line in pass blocking. But I, I don't necessarily think that's impacted his play, but I do think that he was very unhappy in that Week 7 game against Jacksonville. He left before 
journalist got into the room, said, mm-hmm. you know what, I just I need to go take a day to get my head right. So it's fair to speculate that he's checked out. And and he's a guy that is accustomed to winning, and when they are winning, he's having a great time. But oh, yeah. I, I think that it's hard on all those guys right now because all of them are used to winning. None of these guys have been in losing cultures in the NFL. Right. Yeah, it's it's tough. I, I saw a tweet today from Willie Anderson, and I, I didn't see who he said he was talking to. but uh, And he was talking about the, the 2002 season. So 2002, where they won two games lost 14 and how dark it was, how like they felt like, you know, this is the lowest of the lows. How's it going to get better? And he ended it there. Uh, and he was talking about he and Takeo Spikes, how they felt that year. But, you know, I started to think, well, the next year things turned around for the better and they actually won games following. And, you know, sometimes it feels the darkest right before the dawn. Batman, Dark Knight, shout out. Anyways, I'm thinking about Mixon in terms of, yeah, everything sucks right now. I mean, I'm sure he had high expectations for the year we all did i mean we we're comparing him to todd Gurley, or hoping for that we thought he'd be a great fit in the system despite the o-line i mean he he ran behind a poor o-line last year but he's also feeling the same effects that andy dalton is and we're critical of dalton for seeing ghosts i think Mixon sees ghosts i think he uh bounces things out incredibly quick lately uh, and in pass protection like you said the people say well, why isn't he involved in, in the passing game we say it it's because he won't block and he doesn't block consistently and he, he looks disinterested very often. And so when the team gets down and they've been down a lot this year, he's not on the field unless they say, we want to run the ball this drive. And that's futile in today's NFL. Uh, you're taking points off the board every time you do it, especially when you're only averaging three yards per carry. Any run under four yards is a failed run. You're taking points off the board. Uh, so you got to think of every time they do that and run it into a brick wall with him, their chances of losing the game increase. So it's probably hard on him. It's probably hard on the team to stay committed to the run. Everything right there sucks about it. And I even brought it up on on Twitter just asking, should the Bengals trade Joe Mixon? Because if this team's not good for two years, is he even on the roster? And could you get a decent pick for him right now? You know what's interesting to me about the whole thing with Joe Mixon? A, yes, I I would trade Joe Mixon if somebody was to offer a second or third round pick for him. I, I don't think I would really blink. Right. I don't. I think that he could be a very good player in the NFL, but you know how we feel on this podcast about running backs. Yes, that means that they have to spend draft capital probably at some point on a running back because Rodney Anderson is certainly not somebody you can count on. Travion Williams is a six-round guy, and Geo is not a bell cow. So they need to find a running back somewhere. But the thing about Mixon is that the run blocking is, is not – better this year if anything it's worse right and we came out of last year thinking it couldn't get worse and this is why we felt good about him is it can't possibly be worse and the i gave you the scenario i gave you the scenario remember i said this is how the line will get worse and i was kind of tongue-in-cheek joking about it and like all of those things hit it's it's exactly what's happened right like they have a right they have a left guard who's been out of the league playing left tackle they they have Redmond in their right guard all of a sudden. They have Billy Price learning left guard, and it's not going great. There's just too many holes in the offensive line. What's really interesting, just I was looking at PFF grades. The teams that have the worst run blocking grades, two of the, two of the worst teams are Miami and Arizona. Yeah. They both have really good actual running grades. And there was a piece on Next Gen Stats. They, did, they had some infographics on the Cardinals today. And you know how the Cardinals are running successfully? They just spread it out. out. Yep. They go four wide with a tight end and they have no they have an empty backfield. They 
They'll stand up the tight end in the slot. What the Bengals are doing instead, even though they're in 11 personnel every play. Tight, condensed formations. Yeah. The, these condensed formations, yeah, it looks like Joe Mixon's running against not eight-man boxes, but it's a condensed formation. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't count as a box, but they're still right there. And they're single yeah. high. So there's essentially 10 guys in the in a you know expanded box. Like think the bigger box outside of a goal in soccer versus the actual inside box, right? Yeah. That whole area is jammed full of guys. And it doesn't help that they're not moving guys on the read option, the quarterback, you know, so the guy's not staying home, the edge guy. When they jet sweep a guy, the 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 second level linebacker or the opposite edge guy is not staying home and worrying about that. All the misdirection they're doing is not phasing the defense. Well, they no, need no. to hand it off a couple times. They need to keep and Dalton needs to keep it a couple times in order to get that defense to at least respect it. Yeah, the read option when Dalton's kept it, the few times he has have have been successful plays. There have been a couple touchdowns I want to say off of that this year, but he's got the, three rushing. Yeah, the jet sweep stuff has been often getting stuffed, and and that's even with the backside guy not staying home. That's because guys are just losing individual matchups, and they're slow. We got some more questions to get to here in just a minute. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. My bookie offers a variety of options depending on your style of betting. You can bet on games after kickoff if by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can take the other side and recoup your cash. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, you can try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit mybookie.ag today to play so you win and get paid. Continuing looking at the coaches and the scheme and the things we want to see from this Bengals team, uh, Chris at Freckles123 asks, while the team continues to tank, what offensive and defensive scheme adjustments are you looking for as potential signs of hope for next year? You don't have an answer? I've got one. Flexibility. I, want, I think I they've Bill tried Belichick. that on defense. Yeah, and it hasn't have, worked. Right. I want it on offense, though. Like, just watching the Patriots the other night continue to be whatever they want to be week in and week out. And I know they're the gold standard, but they can do anything and be successful at it. Like, they are a spread offense, and then they're a power run offense. And then they're, you know, they're running some option stuff. They're running some RPO stuff. And then they come back and, and run it down your throat again. And on defense, it's the exact same. Just flip. They're a 3-4, a 4-3. They're playing zone. They're playing man. They're just constantly something new every time they roll out there. The Patriots can I want do that. literally everything. And literally no one else in the NFL can do it. And none of the guys that have come out of Belichick's program have been able to reproduce it anyway. 
It is yeah. unique. It is special. And we should probably appreciate it a little bit more than we do as NFL fans because it's easy to hate the Patriots. But what right. the Patriots do has never been done before. And until it's proven otherwise, there's no reason to think that anyone else will be able to do what Bill Belichick has been able to do on a week-to-week basis transforming that team. I think Lou Anarumo has tried to do that to a large degree on defense. They have been multiple on defense this year. I think the backhand coverages have been a little too much. I think yeah. that they need to get a little bit more simpler, uh, a little bit simpler in the in the back seven, especially in the secondary. But they've tried to be multiple, and it just hasn't worked. Like honestly, I, it's hard for me to feel any conviction about caring about the coaching staff this year. The players need to change. Well, I'd want to see signs too, though. If you're looking for hope, and that's what what Chris is asking for here, I'd like to see the offense say, okay, um, this isn't working, which is almost everything they're throwing out there right now. What are the new wrinkles? What are something they're going to add? The big plays they've had, I've been able to directly go back and say, oh, yeah, the Rams ran this last week or last year, week 12, or they ran this last year, week 7. I mean, I want to see you can't just run that you have to expand and evolve and keep pushing the envelope forward of whatever the offense is going to be for the next five years, not the last five years. You know what I'm saying? So I want to see them hit a play and I say, well, that's new or that's different or I don't know where that's from or they created something that someone else copies. And if they did something like that, I'd be like, okay, there's some hope that we've got at least some idea of an offensive guy that can create his own stuff. So what we want to see is we want to see Zach Taylor abandon the Rams-style offense because 11 personnel, same formations, condensed stuff, not working for this team. You need a better offensive line, probably. That seems to be the common denominator between the Rams. They haven't gotten good offensive line play and the Bengals this year, and that's probably why Jared Goff has been struggling so much. And the rest of the NFL is catching on to it a little bit. So, yeah, let's see if Zach Taylor goes away from 11. Goes away from the condensed stuff. Maybe they can't install it midseason, but it sure would be nice to start to see those wrinkles, like you said. You can stay in 11 and then do what the Cardinals are doing and spread everyone out. Mix and ran routes at Oklahoma. Tyler Eifert can run routes. So you're still out there, three wide receivers, spread it out. Don't let the defense um, put everyone in the box and tee off on your quarterback and running back and let Andy Dalton pick based on the coverage what he's good at get rid of the ball quickly and let the players make place especially when green gets back yeah and i guess i was talking like specifically the condensed same formation yeah. every time like the, right. it's not working it's especially right. not working in the run game next question comes from nick adams at lexington dad hope your family's well nick what does the Bengals scouting department look like compared to other nfl teams they've whiffed big time on first and second round picks and i have no faith in their decisions. Was that him speaking or is that you? No, that's all him. Oh, okay, Although, him. I mean, I agree with parts of this. So I'm looking up the Bengals staff, and you can find it on Bengals.com. And if you go over to the team and then staff, it will give you football operations, and it's led at number one on the top, director of player personnel, Duke Tobin. Then you have a scouting director of college, Mike Potts, and then Steven Radicevic, who is the scouting director for pro, which is, means he's scouting the rest of the pro teams, obviously, and anyone that's going to be on the waiver wire, yada, yada. Then you have a personnel executive, Bill Tobin. You have two scouts, Andrew Johnson and Christian Sarkeesian. And then you have some technology consultants who helps with their database and, and things like that, I believe. And then a personnel assistant. So it is 
the smallest staff in the NFL. And I would agree with you based on a organization that values more than all the draft process and building through the draft directly and almost exclusively, you would think you would have the most robust and experienced and best scouting department in the league. And the Bengals do not. So how many guys in total are in the personnel department for the Bengals? For college, because if we're talking about drafting, then I would take us Steven Redisevic out of there. I don't know if he does any type of college work because he list, he's listed as pro. So let's say Tobin, Potts, Bill Tobin, Andrew Johnson, and Christian Sarkeesian. So that would give you five guys. The Ravens have 30 guys in their personnel department. That's 30. Good comparison. Here, here's how many scouts they have. They have a Midwest Southwest scout. They have a West scout. They have a Northeast scout. They have a Midwest scout. They have a Southeast scout. They have an East scout, a Southeast Southwest scout, a West scout, and a general college scout. They have nine scouts, not counting any of their directors, not counting their GM. Mm-hmm. Nine scouts straight up. The Bengals have what we say three. Well, they're listed as two, two scouts, two scouts. So they're not traveling either because we get the list of credentials. People share them on The Athletic. We got a whole chat of all, you know, 70 writers. So there's there's a lot of people sharing who's in the who's getting credentials in terms of scouts or GMs or whatever uh, for teams. It's never listed Bengals. I never, ever, ever see a Bengals uh, scout listed there. The only I was surprised Duke Tobin, LSU, Utah State. um, That'll be his probably one personal look at Jordan Love and Joe Burrow until we get to the combine. Look at the Colts, too, because the Colts did that really cool YouTube documentary on their draft process. Mm-hmm. Bills had a good one, too. They have six area scouts, a couple scouting assistants, and then they have their directors, and then they have an NFS scout. What is an NFS scout? NFS? Yeah. No idea. College scouting coordinator. So they have... Six guys that are straight-up area scouts and then a whole bunch more staff. The Ravens have the nine guys that are area scouts and then a whole bunch more staff. I mean, the Bengals having two scouts. I mean, what are, what are we doing here? Right. Is that all we really need to know? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Right. Next so. question comes from Sean Pembleton. Is Jesse Bates' poor performance due to scheme, lack of talent around him, something else? Is there a reason to expect improvement, Joe? I'll start in reverse here. Is there a reason to expect improvement? Yeah, because he played really well last year, talent-wise. Um, you know, it's not it's not always how is a player playing. It's how good is he. That can be two different things. Uh, Joe Mixon's not playing well. Doesn't mean he's bad. No, I mean, he's still a good player, just not playing well. I would say the same for Jesse Bates. For whatever reason, um, he is not making as many plays as he did last year, and he's having more negative plays than he did. Missed tackles has always been a thing for him since Wake Forest. He had missed tackles last year, so that might just be who he is. Uh, But in terms of overall getting your hands on the ball, if he was making impact plays like he was last year, I think we'd forget about some of the mistakes, and we'd say, okay, Bates is having a decent sophomore year. I think it can be fixed. I think he's still a a cornerstone player as of now. I think sophomore slumps are to be expected for i mean half the guys have him and he'll come back and be better next year or figure it out later this year he's playing in a different scheme like joe said so i don't think there's a reason to abandon jesse bates unless we start to see things deteriorate significantly or start to see more of this next year yep next question pete wensler 
you get one player or coach from the past Bengals teams to add to the team next year. Who are you picking? Munoz? Would you – any consideration for era and size and athleticism and strength, would he still be Anthony Munoz in 2020? I'm assuming that given that he's like 22 years old, he can get on a modern dietary and weightlifting program and get to the size he needs to get to. Sure. Because I – thinking of that, there's a chance I would say Andrew Whitworth or Willie Anderson. I was also thinking offensive line. I and thought I about both Munoz, of those guys too. Right, and I know Munoz is like top 10, 20 player of all time, best left tackle of all time, I think. When they did top 100 players of all time, he was up there. He was the top O-lineman. So, yeah, I think that's the safe bet and just assume that his generational talent is transcendent and can fit in any generation. So uh, that's a fair bet. I'm, I'm fine with that. The other guys you're considering are 2005 Carson Palmer, Ken Anderson, yeah, Crum Rye, and 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 maybe some of the other guys on some of those older teams from like '88 and the '80s, right? Because you'd want it to be a premium position, but you also Riley. get a coach too. Coach, I mean, I'd consider. Can we get? Can we rise Bill Walsh from the grave? Paul Brown. Sure. I don't know which one would be a better choice, but yeah. I mean, if anybody has the wherewithal to match Bill Belichick in a modern NFL game of changing his team from game to game, I would have to think it's Paul Brown. And would that eliminate Mike Brown from his position? Oh, this might be doubling up. We may have found the answer. Yeah, got to find those loopholes. That's it. (laughs) All right, let's do one more question here from Peter James, Sweet Pete 35 on Twitter. During training camp, we heard about how surprisingly well Dolagala was doing, but of course there's no real shot of seeing him on the field. Is there ever really a chance for someone in his position to get a shot to show off talent, barring catastrophic injury to other quarterbacks? Typically, no. I, I would say even at, especially at quarterback where one guy plays, and that's the plan, you have to be a top two round pick to ever really get a shot. And it's really 80% first round pick, maybe 20%. A uh, second rounder guy may get a shot. Drew Locke in Denver may never get a chance to actually be the guy. And it doesn't always happen with second rounders. Uh, you, and that's, that's part of the conversation when we talk about Ryan Finley being a fourth round pick. He's got no right to the throne. He is not second in line. He is honestly a cousin at this point uh, to the to taking over this kingdom. Uh, maybe he gets there. Maybe he gets a shot. But it ha- it would take a lot of weird scenarios for him to get there. And Dolagala is even further down. Uh, so I would say you look at like the last undrafted guy that was really good. I would say Tony Romo, Cowboys. And they were in a transition year. Remember, they couldn't find a quarterback. They were looking at the who was the, the, the guy who played uh, baseball and then played at Notre Dame and then Quincy Carter. But they, they went through a lot of guys where they couldn't figure it out under Bill Parcells. They ended up uh, getting Drew Bledsoe from the Bills, from the Patriots. And, you know, so that gives you an idea of where we're at here. And then Bledsoe's career, he was okay for them. But when Bledsoe went down, they had this guy that they liked. And that, let's say it would be like Andy Dalton right now. And the Bengals didn't have Finley, and they they had Dolagala as the undrafted guy and won the number two job. That could have happened if they didn't draft Finley. Uh, and they inserted him, and he took hold of that one rare chance. Sure, it could happen. But it, the chances are so, so small. It, it takes special occasions. Yeah, I think Dolagala is probably closer to being cut than he is to getting snaps in practice. But... In his defense, and to your point, they have moved other players. They cut Damian Willis mm-hmm. instead of getting rid of their third quarterback. 
They like Damian Willis. They kept him on the practice squad. But they've made moves. They, they let Samaji Piran go. They're letting other guys go instead of going down to two quarterbacks, which is something that we thought was likely coming out of camp. So right. they have kept him, and maybe, just maybe, there's a reason. That's going to do it for the Lockdown Bengals podcast. The next time we will be talking about sports will be after the Rams have played the Bengals on Sunday. <laughs> Chad yep. Hansen. That's his name. Chad. I didn't, I didn't Google it. I just somehow popped in my mind while you were talking. Chad Henson. Have a good one, Bengals fans. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.